Missy D. Missy D. She's so talented, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? I feel like it's been absolutely ages since we've spoken uh, and it has been like two weeks, which really isn't a long time. But in my world, I was used to doing a podcast a week and speaking to you how I normally do on the uh, Journal of Missy D 3.0. And I kind of missed it. I missed you. I missed my ramblings. I missed kind of dumping the shit out of my brain and dumping it onto you. <laughs> uh, we've had a great couple of weeks, though. Uh, you've had uh, the Double Trouble Mum and Me, which has had a phenomenal, phenomenal response. And so has my very first actual overseas um, guest, Pindadiol, who you know is my first cousin, healer and chef. And lives in a small island called Kauai in Hawaii. And she's getting a really good response from her podcast too. I mean, I've got to say, actually, if you think about it, Opie was uh, my first guest because I recorded her many, many months ago. It, it was just a nightmare with the editing. But finally, I got there. And then, so I can't say mum was my official official guest. You heard her first, but actually she guested on my podcast the second time. So I'm not going to give that medal uh, to my mother because she always wants these medals. <laughs> and as most of you have worked out from the podcast, uh, yeah, we are actually double trouble. Uh, somebody called us Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And yes, we have been that all of our lives. We can be fighting cocks too. Uh, we can be in a uh, medan. Medan meaning like a boxing ring and we can be on op op opposite polar sides of that ring and we can go right in there like rams and our um, horns will be locked and my mother is a fighter just as much as I am and I think more with my mum because I think I have that liberty to do that with her if you know what I mean. I mean, if I think about it, I did used to be a bit of a fighter. Uh, I used to have a massive anger issue. I was, I was quite an angry young girl. I think more kind of my teenage years up until probably when I started working, I guess. At least I'm admitting it, right? <laughs> but I, that kind of subdued over the years. Can't say I don't get angry if someone irritates the shit out of me and they keep poking me and poking me and poking me and poking me, then I will explode and I probably will have a bit of a shit fit. But that's natural, isn't it, really? I used to say uh, when my dad was alive, you know, if you're going to keep poking and poking and poking, someone keeps poking you in the eye constantly, constantly, all day, all night, and with the same old shit, it, the, the, even the most patient person ultimately will be like, screw you. And they're going to get uh, a big, big, fat, hard thing from somewhere, heavy thing, and hit it on top of your head. <laughs> Maybe not, but in my world, that, that, that would be my reaction. No, I wouldn't walk away. 
I know you're saying, Missy, you, you've gone done so much healing now. You could walk away. Well, no, I haven't got to that stage yet. And talking about the healing lark, Jesus Christ, it's getting harder, people. I've got to tell you. The reason I started the Journal of Missy D 3.0 was for you to listen to and share my healing journey. And you've heard a lot of the healing journey and stuff like that. And you've heard me in my dark, dark times. You've heard me get better. You've heard all my twists and turns. You you are in the middle of uh, my journey of what I'm doing next or what I'm doing now. And as you know, I'm, I'm still doing the bioresonance machine. Yes, that's going well. I mean, it's a bummer, though. Seriously, it really is hard work, but I'm grateful for it because um, I'm doing a lot of gratitude. Gratitude. Why did I talk in an American accent? I think because my cousin Opie uh, did that last podcast in her American accent and American accents are quite sexy, aren't they? I mean, remember once I told you I love accents and I would love uh, uh, if I ever found a partner uh, for them to have like uh, a French accent Italian accent, a Spanish accent, even Indian accent, because I love it when they talk like this in India. Yeah, I do. At one point, I didn't, uh, I admit, uh, when I was younger, because I just thought, because you're conditioned, aren't you? If someone's got an Indian accent, uh, then it's not cool. But I think it's really cool, and I'm going to embrace the coolness of uh, Indian accents. I did used to love American accents, but because, as you know, I'm an American citizen, um, and lived in America, dipped in and out. I didn't. I can't say I lived there for years and years and years. My mum and my sisters did for a long term. They went college there. They worked there. I even worked there. I did. I did. I worked in Taco Bell. I worked in a tomato factory. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, I lasted in the tomato factory one day. <laughs> so as uh, I lived in America. It got annoying. The American accent kind of gets plasticky. But as I haven't heard it for a long time, it did sound pretty sexy um, on the OP uh, podcast. And, and she's been giving me feedback from her Hawaiian friends and American friends. And they're saying, oh, my gosh, OP, your cousin. She's got a great British accent. She She's so cute. <laughs> and she's so confident. Oh, my God, is she your cousin? <laughs> and, <laughs> See, here I go again. Randomness, randomness, randomness. Missy, stop it. But I think this is what I've been missing. Uh, but so, yeah, going back to the healing journey, I have to be really honest. The bioresonance is hard. But like I said, I'm doing a lot of gratitude. I don't, don't ask me why I keep saying gratitude in America. <laughs> but I'm grateful for the machine. One day you have to do two hours and 35 minutes. One day you need to do one hour, 10 minutes. And one day, then the next day, there's no gaps, right? Uh, she tells me to do it at night before you go to sleep, which I'm like, uh -uh, that's not going to happen because you have to set up this whole kind of blanket thing that you hook up to a machine. Uh, you have these metal plates. And by the time you set it up and you you kind of lie on your back, you're then going to fall asleep. But then you've got all these bits on your bed. So you can't really roll over and go to sleep. Do you know what I'm saying? Not that there's anyone on the other side of my bed that is going to hog up the other half of my bed because I sleep by myself on a super king size bed. <laughs> I do. I always have. Uh, in fact, I'm going to downsize my bed to a double man. Yeah. Anyway, so I do it first thing in the morning. And really, uh, my pee break normally is 5.30 a.m. to about 6 a.m. Okay. And around that time, it's really hard for me to kind of push myself to set up the whole setup. It only takes me five minutes, but five minutes in my world is like, Jesus Christ, do I have to do this? But I, I, I set it all up. 
And then you have to lie on this blanket. I don't lie back flat on my back uh, because of my lungs. It all pulls up in my lungs. I kind of set it like a wedge. So two or three pillows behind me. And so my head is up and I can kind of half sit kind of thing. And then I sleep in that position. But your back back has to touch the blanket. So I have to stay in that position for two and a half hours, two hours and 35 minutes. So physically it's pretty exhausting. And in between that, sorry, I was just looking, I was just about to roll over my dog with my chair. My dog is becoming so clingy lately. I don't know what's going on, but he's become a Velcro dog. Like anywhere that I am, he literally stick his ass right next to my foot. Anywhere I go, he'll be right under my chair. I, half the time I'm going to kill him because either my foot goes on him or my chair rolls over him. <laughs> Ishki! Oh, he's all right now. Honestly. So yeah, uh, but you know, uh, I don't want to moan about my bioresonance machine because... I have made huge progress. I mean, I think it's only been about three weeks since I've had this machine. I'm going to see her tomorrow, actually, Vicky. And I think it must be three weeks since I've had it um, at home and been doing it day to day, back to back. And there's been a big difference. Uh, I've been walking around the house without the oxygen. I have walked up the stairs without oxygen, but I get really huffy puffy and I still got to put the machine on by the time I've got there. But I don't know if that is because I need the machine or my mind is taking over. And that's something I need to investigate. I have walked around a shop, quite a few shops, without oxygen slowly. I went to a family function to the Gurdwara for Avani 16th. I did that whole entire event without oxygen. But then that evening I went down with a flu and a cough and a sore throat, a fever, a chest infection. And I, I went bam down for five, six days. Uh, so that wasn't great but so that kind of then brought my oxygen levels down a little bit so it's all kind of swings and roundabouts with me on top of that I lost my tooth uh, last last Sunday was it eating some I don't know what I was eating really but then I heard a massive crunch and oh my god uh, it was the back molar tooth not the one right at the back the one before that right a big chunk of tooth came out and then the rest of the back of the tooth was kind of hanging off and the front was a bit wobbly as well so I went to the uh, dentist, called him first thing Monday morning. She pulled out the bit that was dangling and she basically says, uh, you got an infection. So she gave me antibiotics. The rest of the tooth is being extracted on the 19th. So that is troubling me because it's quite kind of sore uh, around the, the gum area. So it's all been like, it's all gone Pete Tong really. It's all a bit crazy recently. So yeah, the, the actual physicalities of the healing, the physical stuff, I touch wood for me is working. I don't know what Vicky's going to do tomorrow. I don't know if she's going to change my program. But she probably might do another scan to find out whether we got some rid of some viruses and blah de blue de blah. And maybe she'll add some more different programs. And Lord, Lord, please don't give me a three hour program because that is long ass. But I guess, you know, in the name of healing, what's three hours of my life? Hey, I have also started walking, by the way. So my best friend, Jits, uh, she has been walking with her daughter, actually, five o'clock in the morning, uh, every morning for the last few weeks now. And uh, my other cousin's husband, Mac, he walks miles, like 12, 14, 15 miles sometimes. Averagely, he now does seven, eight, nine, he says. But there could be days where he could probably easily walk 15 to 16 miles and he's lo lost a shitload of weight. And I've been wanting to walk, not for the weight loss. I know I need to lose weight, but because they've put me on this, because of that bleeding I have, they've put me on estrogen only, which apparently is HRT. 
I don't know. They, they don't really clearly tell me what anything is here, which has managed my bleeding. So the bleeding has stopped. But the estrogen is making me now put on weight. Uh, so I'm I'm like a round apple. And it really doesn't bother me, really, because I've been much fatter and much bigger. And I love all of me. I embrace all of me. Honestly, I don't really care about uh, the weight. Uh, but I do believe that if I walk, I'm increasing my heart rate. If I'm increasing my heart rate, more blood is being pumped around my lungs. And that's clean blood. Um, so if there are any bacterias and viruses and stuff like that, it's going to kind of wash through and maybe help uh, heal my lungs. Maybe my lungs will start to filter through a lot more oxygen. I don't know. But for many, many months, I've been in my head. I need to do this. Uh, and then last Sunday, Jits came over and we walked about two point something miles, two point two and a half miles to the pub and back to the Binley Beggar Chippy uh, from my house. And uh, it, it, <laughs> it seemed quite simple and it's beautiful and sunny. And then we ended up literally getting stuck in this rainstorm. It was that bad, right? Honestly, you could ring my hoodie. The dog was drenched. Every part of my body was wet. I could not see for shit because the rain was hitting my glasses and my eyes so, so much. But I came back satisfied in the sun uh, two and a half miles later. And since that day, I have been walking almost every day. I can't say I've been walking every day, but even if I do a mile, I've been doing my walking. So like I said, on the physical side of things, uh, I'm making progress. I have, you know, diligently done the bioresonance machine, diligently as much as I can do the walking. I have to be totally honest with you. I haven't done uh, Cornelius for a good couple of weeks. On and off, I've done him one day here, one day there. But I don't know what's happened there. Actually, I do know what's happened there. He's part of the block. I've come up against a block again. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. It's not the darkness and it's not like I've lost the plot or anything. Um, my mental health is stable. It's just that I don't know. I've, I I get to a certain point where I'm like, do, 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 do. And then I'm like, fuck it, I can't be bothered. So I have so much on my radar that I should be doing things like meditation, maybe some prayers. I, but I, I'm going to be honest with you, the whole... God thing I, is still not resonating with me. And you know what? I'll, I'll talk about the God thing in a minute. Someone said something really profound, as you say, <laughs> profound. And uh, it made sense. I'll share that in a minute. So the God thing, I know I told you I found God and it was like I had this message from this person. But uh, um, it just it don't make sense to me. Uh, I don't understand the point of prayers when I have the ability to make changes in my life from my thought, from my thinking, from the way I, I, I treat myself and the way I treat the world and I have the way I treat people and the way I treat my life, basically. Uh, so, and God is within me, you know, but that's a whole new debate. So I don't know. It's just the God thing I'm not buying. I'm trying. I am trying. Listening to some mantras, listening to some kirtan, uh, listening to some religious music or just like an Aum thing. Um, and then that, that, that chant, Nam Yo Renge Kyo, Nam Yo Renge Kyo, Nam Yo Renge Kyo. I like that kind of stuff. It kind of 
uh, gives me a bit of focus. But I feel like I've lost focus on uh, the EFT stuff, which I was doing so well with. But it kind of just like dwindled off kind of thing. It just kind of went into the darkness, I think. I, I, I'm a bit like that. I, I will always try a new thing. My family know this about me. Like, here's another thing you want to try. You're only going to last a few months. <laughs> and I have to give it to them. They're probably right. So something I think that I need to address myself. Why is it that I will go to a certain point with anything in my life? Anything new? Things I want to try? Uh, people, relationships, um, healing, all types of modalities. <laughs> I give it like a massive bash. I get obsessed with it. Like I'm obsessed with a bioresonance machine at the moment. And I will do everything in my power to do the best at that that healing modality that I'm, I'm learning. And then boom, it's done. So yeah, I haven't touched the EFT. I've not journaled. Uh, I'm not manifested. I'm doing a tiny bit of gratitude here and there. Uh, yeah, I haven't done Cornelius. In and out I have. Um, but even when I've been there, I've been really annoyed like um, this is not sitting well with me and I'm getting irritated. I know now, though, that I feel like I've got a lot of issues that I have to address myself personally and no one else can do it but me. So I guess I'm going to let it happen when it happens. And that's the, the biggest thing that I love about Cornelius is just let it happen. He says, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Don't think about it. Whatever, whatever's happening, just let it happen. So I think I am holding on too much to the desperation now of wanting to heal, not just on a physical form, on a mental form too. I feel like things are changing, but not as fast as what I would like them to change. And sometimes I think I live, not just me, I think many of us, if I can be that sweeping, live under an illusion. And that that was a, a huge thing that uh, was up in my face, up in my beeswax this morning uh, when I went to my MRI scan. So I've had, uh, I had an, an MRI scan of my womb this morning, right? And he was like, have you had a MRI scan before, Miss Dami? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I hadn't. I'd had a CT scan before, you see. I've not had an MRI. And I'd heard all stories about this MRI tunnel. Like you go in there, you feel suffocated. Uh, he even gave me this thing, a bell in my hand. It's like, Mrs. Dummy, if you feel like you're going to uh, faint or suffocate or you feel um, uh, claustrophobic, you put your hand on the bell and you ring it. I don't know why I do Nigerian accent like that, but he's fine. Nigeria. <laughs> I cannot do the accents. <laughs> I was like, all right, mate. So I thought in my brain, I was like, buddy, oh, he's going to stick me in a tunnel. Not only did he do that, he put a cannula in my arm and uh, put this medicine in. I didn't even know. I thought it would be like a five minute whip it in, whip it out, you know, thing. But Jesus, he and <laughs> put the cannula in. Then he put this dye in and he goes, right, you are going to go into the tunnel for half an hour. I was like, what? <laughs> 30 minutes. I'm like, oh my God. And he goes, okay, bye. <laughs> and then the thing, right? The uh, tunnel, like the bed started to going into the tunnel. And then he put these headphones on me because he said it's going to be really loud in there. You must have wear the headphone. So I had the headphones on 
And all I did as soon as that bed started moving in, I closed my eyes. And all I could feel was my, my, the bed part moving in, 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 in. And this, a lot of air conditioning. It was ice cold in there. 30 minutes, man. And then my mouth started going really, really dry. And I thought, like, right, Missy, if you open your eyes, you're going to have a flipping panic attack, you idiot. What are we going to do now? So my mouth was really, really dry. And then I started going, it literally was like, it's okay. It's okay. Everything's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Trying to like coax myself. I didn't think this is okay. What I kept saying to myself is don't open your eyes. Don't open your eyes. You open your eyes. You're going to panic and you're going to get claustrophobic. Uh, you're going to be sick and then you're going to choke on your sick and you're going to die anyway. So what's the point of doing all the healing? <laughs> I did exactly, exactly that. Honestly, <laughs> there is a point to this story, right? So I'm just letting you know that I didn't look at the tunnel uh, that he put me in. I was more concentrating on the cannula, blah, blah, blue, blue. Went in, closed my eyes and I promised myself, you're in it half now, you silly cow. Just keep your eyes shut. Keep your eyes shut and keep breathing. In and out. In, out. And I was doing that all the way through. Half an hour sound, felt like a whole hour, right? <laughs> and then about, I don't know how many minutes later, the man comes and goes, you're right, love. It was someone else. It was a Gorda, white, white person. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I'm out. And he goes, yes, you can open your eyes now. I must have looked petrified <laughs> with my eyes so tightly shut. Oh my God. Hilarious. So first thing I do when I open my eyes <laughs> is look at the tunnel and people. The tunnel was open at both ends and it was no more than probably eight foot in length. So uh, even if I had opened my eyes, it was a tunnel that was open at both ends and I was not going to like be stuck in some tunnel because honestly, my mum's been in MRI tunnels. My cousin, he had a panic attack in one and he had to leave it. And I was like, what the boop? <laughs> but do you see? Do you see what I did to me? I created this massive illusion in my head that, you know, oh my God, I'm going to suffocate. Oh my God, what if I die? Oh my God, what if I won't be able to breathe? Oh my God, what if something happens? Oh my God, oh my God. And if I carried on um, and I didn't have techniques to calm myself down, like it's okay, it's okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. I could have got myself into a right tease. This I kind of thought about after. By the way, I bled to bits after. I was absolutely fine. She took out the cannula. She put a, um, a plaster on. I walk out the hospital Two minutes later, I've got blood dribbling all the way down my hand and she hadn't actually stopped my blood from where the cannula was and that my, my denim shirt was drenched in blood. My jacket was drenched in blood. I had to go back and get that plastered and I didn't even realise because my brain was like, Jesus, life is really an illusion, right? And we as humans, this is where I get the philosophical part in now, we as humans, we now know how we kind of overthink our shit and we kind of always kind of go, what if this? What if that? And I need to do this because if I don't do, then this will happen or that will happen. And we get ourselves all worked up because this person hasn't said this or, you know, and we're imagining things like, why hasn't this person uh, said this to me? Why hasn't that person contacted me? Why did that person say this to me? Why this and why that, you know, 
Why is that person in a better position than me? Why is their job better than mine? Why am I not glorified like that person? Why have they got more money than I have, yet I am more talented than that person? And I have, I can't say I've been doing it all my life, but I have uh, kind of got myself into a lot of emotional tiz, is what I'd like to call it, by living in an illusion, living in a comparison, living in making up shit in my head that has got me to places which were things that weren't even real, that maybe would never have happened. But because I had made this whole shit up in my head, it kind of destroyed many months and years of my life. Do you resonate with that? Do you resonate with, um, you know, what if, or I want, I must do, you know, I must get uh, an amazing job. I must find an amazing husband and my husband must be like this and my house must be like that. And uh, until I don't get my my Bentley convertible, by the way, which is the car that I want, (laughs) then I'm not a successful person. I'm a piece of shit, you know? And then your friends, like if you're all the girlfriends are going out and one girl's looking spectacularly hot in her beautiful dress with her amazing makeup. And you're looking at her thinking, fucking bitch, why is she looking better than me? I slapped my makeup in two minutes and I thought I look hot. But like, look at her in a flipping monsoon 200 pound dress. And here I am in my Primark. (laughs) I want the monsoon dress as well. And I want a makeup artist like her. Like she must be living an amazing life because she's wearing the monsoon dress and she's just had a makeup artist do her her uh, her makeup. And then my next point I want to make is this, an illusion where people, you judge them just by looking at who they are and the illusion they created, not just to you, but to the world. So recently I've been connecting with a few people, not a lot of people, a few people that have surprised me and uh, have resonated with me. One such person, I've been speaking to her and she's said, oh, Missy Man, you know, these a lot of these are fans, fans that become people that I speak to on a regular basis. I'm not the, firstly, I'm not a celebrity. I have to admit that I could be a possible influencer, not influencer in the way that some viral podcast somewhere or viral TikTok channel and stuff like that. I recognise the fact that my actions and words can influence people because I'm a known entity, right? So I have to be mindful of the position that I'm in. Not that I think I'm in any position whatsoever, but in the public eye, in the public eye, Missy D is a known entity, right? So this fan who... I speak to and like I was just saying if anyone contacts me on any form of social media I am not that celebrity who will ignore you so for example I've uh, not messaged but like on Instagram I've tagged the likes of I don't know Adnan Sami uh, Shah Rukh Khan and stuff like that MC Stan and I understand they've, they've got millions and millions and millions of followers but I have to stand by my truth and the person that I am, even if I had millions of followers, seriously, this is not even a joke. I would find time to reply, even if it was just a thank you. What annoys me the most is when people haven't got the audacity to get back to you. If someone has, 
taken the time out to contact you. Doesn't matter who they are. You just never know who that person is, why that person has contacted you and how your reply might impact that that person's life. And understand, you know, people with 20 million followers, followers probably going to get millions and millions of uh, messages. But come off it, man. I know you can't sit there and read them all. And I'm not saying I could probably reply to all of them. But, you know, sometimes if you something pings up on your phone and you think, oh, shit, let me just reply to this person. It's not going to take much out of your life. And I'm the kind of person since beginning of radio, doesn't matter which radio station capacity I was in, Radio XL, Subrush Radio, Club Asia Radio, Love Asia Radio, um, Buzz Asia Radio, it don't matter. I replied to each and every person that took the time out to reply to me. And I think that's what people appreciate about me. And that's how sometimes these uh, fans that have been fans of mine for many, many years from from the year around 2000, like 23 freaking years ago, man. 20, yeah, 20, 20 years ago, 2002, something like that. They've they've kept memories of me replying with them. The other day, I put a picture of myself on Club Asia Radio. Uh, and one person, she straight away messaged me and she's like, Missy, you read out a message about my brother. I can't remember what the message was about. Obviously, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm really bad like that. Even when fans meet me like, Missy, you remember me? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. But I didn't. But I didn't want to break their heart. So I have to say, that, yeah, I know it's not It's not fake. It's not. It's just like, don't break their heart. So you just pretend that you remember them. And they know for sure that you don't remember them. But at least I'm not breaking their heart. So I'm the kind of person that if I go to someone's house and they make food for me and it tastes vile, I'll eat it and I'll say, yum, this is delicious. Not because I'm a bitch. It's because I don't want to break their heart. That's the kind of person that I am. I have to say what I can't stand are people that are fake, um, but they make out as if they genuinely give a shit about you. Um, and uh, what, what what do I call them? Fake forwards. It really pisses me off when people make out as if that you're on a personal level with them and you're like good friends with them, not even good friends. Like you're someone that is of some substance in their life. Like recently, right? Uh, someone was uh, on, on uh, social media saying, oh, I've just written a book and it will be so nice uh, if you could help me. And, um, you know, uh, I want to, I'm giving you a special offer. And a lot of people went, oh my God, that's amazing. You're writing this book and let me support you from Dilse, from your heart, my heart. And, uh, you know, I messaged this person. I was like, oh, how do I pay and stuff like that? And um, I hadn't spoke to them for a while. And they sent me a fucking generic forward. It was, hi, Missy, how are you? Bloody, 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 bloody. And the hi, Missy was obviously what they had replaced with another name for, for whoever else they sent that message to. Because it was clearly a forward which annoyed the beep out of me honestly it's like what the hell man i thought you were a genuine person i really had a, res a lot of respect for this person but you could have like personally said oh missy man how are you doing heard you're not being well da 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 how are things you know thank you so much for supporting me nah man i'm not saying kiss my jitter i'm not saying that but it wasn't genuine so i thought fuck that i'm not gonna buy the book <laughs> why i mean if you haven't got the bloody two seconds to ask me how i am then and it's not like, why should I support you? Because you never said this to me. But do you know, do you get, are you getting the gist of what I'm saying? And I'm not that kind of person. I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. I will take time to give time to everybody. I always will reply. 
always uh, with a personal message. I can't stand people that say TY or happy birthday with a HB or like Christmas time. They forward me their shitty things. I feel like breaking it up, ripping it up on WhatsApp and sending it back to them and say, you have it. Please don't send me these shitty forwards. <laughs> it's just who I am. So going back to this other woman, she's like, you you read this message on Club Asia Radio for my brother. And she goes, the way you you just kind of conveyed that message to my brother, it was the most amazing way. Just the way you said it really made his day, made my day, my family's day. And she remembers this like 20 years like later and still talks about it today. And then somebody else, she messaged me and she was like, Missy, do you know what? You actually... Uh, it, it, in those days, I, I was going through a divorce and suicidal. You saved my life. And she was not the only one because another person I know, I think I've told you this before. I met him in a club and he showed me his self-harming. And he said, this is self-harming that I did every single day until I started getting hooked to your radio show in the morning. And you used to say stuff every day that inspired me. And I am living today because of you. So I just, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because you might think like you, you talk to all your fans, Missy. Uh, have you got nothing better to do? I have got lots to do. Um, I don't know. I'm that kind of person. I think that honestly, if I can do anything for anyone and it's in my capacity to do it, then I will do it happily and willingly. Okay. There are people that sometimes take the piss that becomes apparent quickly so then you just move on from those people. But yeah, I, I will do anything genuinely from the heart. Honestly, I would. So going back to the illusion, yeah. So going back to creating the illusion that Missy is this kind of person and Missy is that kind of person and she lives an amazing life. This person I was speaking to, there's like, because I've been speaking to them recently and I'm like, Jesus Christ, um, it's nice to kind of speak to people that resonate with you and understand you and kind of go, oh shit, me too. You know, and a lot, every time I speak to this person, they're like, oh, me too. Oh my gosh, Mishi, me too, me too, me too. Um, And then I've met, met another person and they're like, oh my God, you're exactly like me. Um, I'm So I'm attracting a lot of people in my life. Um, that actually a lot of swearers, this is mental, right? So recently, before recently, I had attracted a lot of people that were non-swearers and non-drinkers <laughs> and we were complete polar opposites. Now I've found a tribe of swearers and I freaking love it <laughs> and drinkers. <laughs> Not that I drink with them because they live far away from me, but um, they're on my kind of level. And I do remember actually trying to, um, I, I did try and manifest finding my tribe. I've been doing that for quite a while. And I think slowly but surely, I do think that uh, uh, these are amazing, beautiful people. I don't think we could make a tribe because we're not very local to each other. But these are people you could reach out to and speak to. Um, and they uh, kind of get you because a lot of the friends that I had in the past, they didn't really get me. Uh, a lot of people don't get me because I'm very bizarre. I'm very out there. I'm very open. I'm very raw. I can be very emotional, um, but I can be very giving and people don't understand the giving. People don't understand the the authentic loving um, and it, it can make people feel awkward. It can make people shy away from you, but I'm not going to change who I am for those people that don't understand me. But these people, the few that I'm speaking to now, they're like, oh my God, 
you are my twin. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Jesus Christ, you're my twin. So one of them said to me, she goes, I mean, who would have thought, because I obviously speak openly about me, uh, my trauma, my past, not everything. I mean, I assess how much information to give to somebody according to how much I think they can take. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, do I give her a, a big bowl of porridge, a medium bowl of porridge or a small bowl of porridge? <laughs> so I'd kind of test the waters first. Um, yeah. So they're like, wow. I mean, who would have thought with this illusion that you have out there that your life actually was like this? And I'm like, yeah, man. But um, you just never, ever believe that illusion. So the illusion has really got me, which I think Opinda in, in uh, Hawaii, she calls it Maya, which I haven't really investigated into the whole Maya situation. But the illusion thing is very, very big. So like I'm under an illusion now that if I get better, that my life is going to be amazing. But who knows if I physically get better, even mentally get better, because I'm not saying I'm 100% great with my mental health, because there's still a lot to be done. I have really bad days when I can cry myself to sleep. I can listen to music till two o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, and just like be really miserable. And then I can have days when things are going great physically. And then when uh, things go boom and I get infections and stuff like that, I'm miserable as shit and feel sorry for myself that fucking hell, here we go again because my oxygen drops and I go back around in circles like a dog chasing my tail. So it's it's all swings and roundabouts and algorithms. And, you know, all I keep thinking is I just need to get better. Then I can do this and I can't can do that and I can do that and then I'll be great. But will I be? Will I be? Am, am I just living under an illusion? Should I just not give that illusion away and just embrace the now? And I'm learning, I think, to do that a little bit more. But there's a lot of work that I have to do on myself. Honestly, there is lots of work. My own self-doubt, my own self-belief, my belief that I I am this, that and the other, that I should not be doing this, 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 uh, you know, and and uh, maybe I'm creating this illusion to other people about me being this person, but really I'm that person. Have I really changed from being the person that I was in the past? Have things changed? And then when I come across conversations with some ex people, uh, they make me feel like, well, you really haven't changed and you've done all this healing work. So then you have doubt in your mind and then you create another illusion in your head that maybe you know I've done all this healing work maybe I'm never going to heal maybe I should just give this up maybe 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 <laughs> so yeah it's making me go a little bit cray cray but like I said it's my shit man and healing is hard healing's bloody bloody hard but all in all in a nutshell I must say that I am better I'm better physically. I am better emotionally. I do have bad days. And when those bad days happen, I'd, I feel like a bit like the MRI tunnel. When the bad days happen, I just shut my eyes. You know, like I'm uh, when I'm on a when, when I used to go on these rides when as a kid, I hate I hate funfair rides and those big rides in Alton Towers and stuff like that. If I was ever made to go on it, apart from the bumper cars, like things like the waltzes where I puke up, I just close my eyes until it's over. And if I've ever was made to go on a roller coaster, for example, I do remember going, uh, being made to go on one 
on the top of a building in Las Vegas. No joke. With my cousins and my sister. And they thought it was funny. So in those situations, I do go on and then just shut my eyes until it's all over. (laughs) So a kind of an analogy, I guess, is I feel like when it's going to be bad, I kind of like close my eyes and just let it happen. And then on the other end, they open and I'm like, oh, I'm alive. It's another day. Let's go. So that's kind of how I cope with it, I guess. So that's my inside of my head for you. Dumped all over you. I hope you enjoyed it. Talking about analogies as well. This other person that I was speaking to who I honestly, it's just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy how similar they are to me. (laughs) Her analogy about God, because she is one person that kind of gets my God thing. Like the whole God is within you. I don't get the whole God thing. How can there be so many gods? Religion is ruining the world. You know, there's there's only one God. There's one God. Not every religion can say that their God is God because that's what every religion is saying. You know, Christianity, Sikhism, Hinduism, Islam. It's like my God, my God, my God, my God. Mate, there's only there's only one God. So how can your God be God? And why can't you just be God loving people? What does God say? God says, be good, do good, get good, be kind, be happy, give to people, give to charity. Charity starts at home. Be kind to people. That is being God, not sitting there reading your prayer books, doing rituals and um, dressing in certain ways and, you know, putting pumping money into the local, you know, religious institute that many of them have become businesses. Do you know what I'm saying? That I mean, and, and they were like, oh, my God, Missy. I'm like, geez, could do you feel exactly the same? She went, yeah. And she and her analogy was this. I love analogies in life. I do. And they'll probably start coming out uh, in the next few podcasts and stuff like that. Her analogy was this, right? She goes, I, I, I imagine it like this. There's this massive, massive house, right? Massive house. And there's millions of windows in this house. And everyone is looking out the window. Everyone's got their window open. Some are closed. Not all of them are open. Some are closed. You know, the anarchists of this world. And they're looking out and they're looking out through their own rosy goggles of their perception of God. Right. So for some people, God is this. Some people, God is that according to their religion and their culture. And then when they all turn around to the other side of the house, it's all exactly the same. They all see the same thing. They all feel the same thing. It's all the same. So that for me is God. And for that person is God. And I swear to God, I've never come across anyone that actually said that or got that uh, because people always take the piss out of me and get really annoyed uh, especially the old ladies like what do you mean you are god you are not a god god is up there somewhere no he's not looking up in the sky god is not there god is within you look in your heart don't even look don't even feel you are god oh my god how many times i've got to say this it's a bit like my oompa loompa analogy you're not going to believe this right and uh you know, Jits, my best mate, you've heard about her a million times in this podcast. I've made Jits bloody famous. You don't even know it. So anyway, right, Jits, for years and years and years, like we've known each other since school. Uh, is it how many years? How many years was it? 20 years, a 20 year anniversary we had this year. Or was it last year? It was this year, actually, that we yeah officially kind of hung out for 20 years. I've known him much more years from school. So I've probably known like uh, I was 11 when I went to secondary school. She was 11. I'm 53. So 41 years I've known her unofficially, but officially hanging out 20 years because we didn't hang out in school together, you see, because she was with the Gora people. I was with the Asian people. (laughs) 
She used to sit there and read The Guardian in the in the corner, clearly remembering the sixth form. And I'll be hanging out with Yasmin and and, and Mariam and Nazreen and and <laughs> Yasmin and we'll be eating a bag of chips and uh, singing Bollywood songs and stuff. So very, very different people. So when we used to go to dinner a lot, um, I'd always come out with the same analogy about the Oompa Loompas. She's a very intelligent person, my Daljit, and she uses big words like autumnal. For years, I didn't even know what autumnal was. And she's like, you know, we're, we're of an age, of an age, and we should be dressing like our ages, looking down at my ripped jeans and my sequins jacket. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I am dressing my age. <laughs> and she'd come up with these big words and sentences and, you know, have really intellectual conversations about the the, the current situation in politics and stuff like that. And she's into philosophy and politics and blah de blue de blah. And I'm like, in it, mate, gangster dough, in it, with her daughter, my daughter as well, because she's my um she's my daughter too, because Daljit gave me ownership of her daughter since she was a baby as well. And I'm her mum number two. By the way, it's her birthday. My my mum's birthday actually on the fifteenth of July. So by the time you hear this, it was Saturday just gone. And then it's my little Isha's, well, she's not little now, it's Isha's birthday this coming Wednesday. And she's going to be 21. So on Wednesday, I don't know if I'm going out on Wednesday with her, but Saturday, mate, we're going out to paint that town red. And uh, my daughter used to like going, yeah, you're my gangster, my minute dough. And Daljit used to really hate it. So going back to the intellectual conversations, I used to say to her, listen, right, this world is completely screwed up. What the government need to do is we need to employ Oompa Loompas, you know, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And those umpulumpers or should be employed because the cocoa bean trees should be planted everywhere, which the government should pay for. So everybody gets paid in cocoa beans, right? So the umpulumpers pick up the uh, the cocoa beans. We all get paid in cocoa beans. Everyone should be given a plot of land, a cow, a horse, a sheep, some chickens, and a plot of land to to plant the vegetables. Everyone should be self-sufficient and get paid the same amount of beans. That's everyone in the world. Not this bagwas where you got, you know, millions and millions and millions of millions of people living on the street uh, in India and Pakistan. It's just absolutely awful. Then you got these idiots that are rolling in money like trillionaires and billionaires, the musks of this world and trumps of this world. And, uh, the you know, the God rest his soul in peace. Was he a billionaire or a millionaire that just died in the Titanic thing and stuff? And it's just so imbalanced. The world is so imbalanced with how money is spread across the globe. And if we could all have the same, then it would be imbalanced. And she was like, no, that is, I don't know what she called it. There's a posh word for it where um, everybody, is it, what's it? Not socialism. I don't know, some kind of ism, some kind of ism somewhere. And she goes, you are a this person. I was like, I don't, don't give me a label. All I'm saying is, it's equality, isn't it? It doesn't matter what colour, what race, what culture, what religion. Let's just all be the same. Let's just be run by umpalumpas, coca beans and given a house each and all of our electricity and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's solar powered. I'm not a hippie or anything, by the way, but uh, it just seems very fair. And, uh, and everyone is taught from birth, loving kindness. And everyone's just, and she was like, you're mad. Like you want everyone like a, a swirling, swirling, what you call it? A, a swirling, oh, what's the, the, the Sufi people. Yeah, girlish, 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 dirtish, something like that. I know you're shouting, right? But I don't know what it's called. 
girlish, swirlish. Anyway, she loves those Sufi type people that go around. And, yeah. And um, everyone's going to be like, yeah, man, and, and smoking weed. It's like, that is a point, actually. Any medicine that is ever needed would be marijuana and cocoa beans. Everyone gets the same house and everyone is allowed X amount. Actually, you can't control them. They can have as many children as they want per, ch- per child. Depending on that, you'd get extra beans. <laughs> Something like that. And she was like, that's an impossible, impossible. The whole economy will drop and everything's going to go Pete Tong. What happened? People, what happened? What happened? COVID happened. What did the government do? The government paid people to sit at home. I was a supply teacher. My agency paid me money to sit my ass at home. The government then paid me money because I'm a vulnerable person. I was getting bucket loads of money from the government for free for doing nothing. Exactly. And then I was like, Delji, come, come. Yeah, yeah. Bet here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, shut up. And I was like, see? And that, I, I, I've been saying that for not even years, decades, decades. And she used to take the piss out of me and said, you're just, you're, you're a twat. Uh, that's just an impossible thing that could never happen in the world. But it happened, didn't it? It happened. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, I've got great news. Can I just say, uh, <laughs> I love the universe. I didn't even put this out to the universe. I've got two bits of news for you. Number one, Adnan Sami. Adnan Sami is going to be in concert at the Utilita in Birmingham. The umpteenth amount of people that have contacted me and saying, Missy, have you got your tickets for Adnan Sami? I'm like, yeah, man. £100 tickets, row 12, block B. Block B is the first block in the middle in the whole arena, man. And when I bought the tickets, row 12 was the nearest I could get at that point. And then, check this, right? This is um, Kismet for you and the universe bestowing their love on me. And I didn't even manifest any of this. But I just want to thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful to you, universe, or to whoever did this for me. I got an email a couple of weeks ago from Utilita. And they said, um, unfortunately, we're going to have to reallocate your tickets. It will be kind of similar to where you're sitting and uh, we'll let you know. And I was up for a fight because Missy's always up for a fight when it comes to people pissing me about. For example, we bought my uh, nephew, you know, a Lamborghini car. You know, those little cars that kids get two, three hundred quid and it doesn't work now. Right. And oh my good God, so I've been complaining and complaining. I'm a big complainer. If something goes wrong, I'll complain. So I'm there poised at my laptop thinking, wait for this email to come. They're going to screw with my tickets and blah, blah, blah. And they emailed me today. And guess what? So we were in block B, row M. Okay. That was good enough for me because we were in uh, 12 rows back in the first block. And the email has just come through, right? And the person to row E. Yeah, man. Row E. So we are now only five rows back from the stage to see my beautiful Adnan Sami. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? I thank you, universe. I'm full of gratitude because Adnan Sami, as you know, is my life. I love him, love him, love him. Uh, So if you see someone jumping up and down in row five in the middle of the whole auditorium, because that's the middle block, that'll be me. I mean, you, you won't miss me anyway. I'll probably have some kind of sequence on. And my, um, I would say now, well-known glasses. Lots of people think I wear sunglasses in the dark. They're not. They're actual, my very focal glasses that change in the dark and the light kind of thing. And so, 
yeah, uh, people talk about my glasses everywhere I see them. So, yeah, that happened. And then check this. Check this. Remember, I told you I had a friend called Madhu and she does T-Rose Trunk Easy Drape Saris, right? And she, she had asked me to do a photo shoot. I told you that, right? So she's asked me to do a photo shoot and she's going to be doing the photo shoot, I think, yeah, the end of July. So <laughs> I thought, great. So told mom, okay, on this date in July, I'm going to go to uh, Surrey, I think it is I'm going to. And um, told my mom and my mom stuck to my hip and she went, I'm coming too. <laughs> See, I don't know why I do the... You know she hasn't got an Indian accent. It just sounds good. So she goes, I'm coming too. I want to see her sarees. I'm like, no, I'm going on my own because I need some time out from you. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm coming. And then in the end, I coaxed her to like, not coming. That was 10 o'clock in the morning. Get a message from Madhu about two o'clock in the afternoon. She goes, Missy, I was wondering. I would love it so much if you and your mum double trouble mum and me could take part in the photo shoot together we'll take some shots of you missy but i'd love to take shots of you and mum as well i'm like oh my god so a tom mum and the woman has bagged herself a fashion photo shoot in the most sexiest sexiest saris in this whole whole wide world honestly madhu's saris are amazing they're not your normal sari a normal sari is six feet okay these are 13 feet saris they are already done for you they take you no less than 30 seconds to drape to whip around you and you're done you're done they are amazing amazing so once with the photo shoot is done you will see but my mum honestly is over the moon <laughs> She's only done one bloody show and uh, check that out. She's already got herself um, a photo shoot with the Madhu and T-Rose Trunk Easy Drape Saris. And not only are we going to be there, it's a great concept where she's got a whole bunch of women coming, all with their different stories, all with their different backgrounds, all creeds and colours. Um, and it's going to be super spectacular. Um, and I am i can't wait to get her on the podcast. She's definitely, she's uh, she's promised to come on the podcast. And she's a very interesting woman who's had a very interesting life. So we're, we're going to get her on and we are going to be talking about their saris. And you'll see them on my Facebook, obviously, and stuff like that. And I promise you, you will you'll all want to buy like 10 each. They're so amazing. So hold tight um, and more information coming on the Easy Drape Saris. Um, but the photo shoot I'm very, very excited about. What other news did I have for you? So I've done that, done that, that, that. I'm going to see Vicky tomorrow. Have I got anything on the radar for you? No, really the next couple of, yeah, two, next two weeks is all about palti pulti. Mum's birthday, Saturday just gone. Well, you're going to hear this on Monday, but yeah, mom's Saturday birthday that goes on for days and days and days. She's the woman that you can't buy anything for. Uh, so, so what does she, what does she ask for, for a gift at this time? She asked for a all singing and dancing moving bed. You know, those posh ones where the leg go up and the head go up and the back go up, the jitter go up. Yeah, she wants one of those. So we're getting her that and, uh, well, I'll say it in past tense now. We took her out for a day in Windsor uh, because uh, that's what uh, we wanted to do. So because it's already happened, although it's not. This is very strange, isn't it? I'm recording this now. It is Tuesday. When you hear it, it'll be Monday. Uh, but Saturday just gone is when we're going to take her to Windsor. And it would have happened by then. Weird podcasting, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I could pretend to make it all slick and stuff, but who cares? Uh, so that and then Wednesday, that is like in two days, is Isha's 21st. 
I can't believe how she's grown up and she's grown up to be beautiful, beautiful a young lady with such a big heart. And then on Saturday next week, we are painting the town red. We're going to restaurants and uh, clubs and pubs. And I'm hanging out with 21 year olds and uh, I'm going to a nightclub and I can't wait. So anyway, people give up the illusions, I think. Um, I'm learning a lot about illusion and how things really don't seem to be what they are and how I and you and we, we get ourselves entwined into such shit illusions that we start to lose our shit. Um, But really, none of it really matters because those people that live it in the moment are the ones that are, are living the life because it's all about now. It's all about embracing what's happening around you now. Not what if, what could be, what will, um, if it could, da 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 or the questions. No. And in the past, what if this happened? What if I'd said that? What if I'd done this? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if, what is the what if going to do? It's, that's gone. The future hasn't happened. The past is gone. And the now, we always miss the now. And we always kind of save it for the next day. For example, right, uh, I made this beautiful old style Pakistani chicken curry. It was off the hook, man. I'm going to do a cooking show one day with mum, right? And uh, mum was like, oh, oh, no, 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 don't make it today. Make it on Friday. I'm like, why make it on Friday? Oh, because Anu and Sunny are coming, which is uh, my sister and her son-in-law, and they can have it. And I'm not a selfish cow, man. I don't mind cooking for people and sharing with people. But I was like, why do I have to wait five days to cook it? And for them, why can't I cook it for me? So I was so fucking knackered. But I made that chicken curry uh, yesterday, actually, and it was off the Richter scale. So, so tasty. And I enjoyed it. So, you know, if I drop dead tomorrow, at least I know now that somewhere within my intestines uh, is my old style Pakistani chicken curry. It was so fucking good. So good. So good. So good. I'm going to have to give you the recipe. I want to try making naans, but I tire myself out. I got so knackered cooking yesterday. And on top of that, I walked as well. So I'm I'm physically, you know, physically I'm able to do more. And then I take the piss. I push myself way too much and then I end up in tears and then I end up back in bed. So I'm taking it slowly one step at a time. Uh, so, but yeah, think about the illusion, I think. And think about sometimes putting too much pressure on yourself. I think that's what I've been doing. I've been putting a lot of pressure on myself. I'm also overthinking shit. I'm, I'm thinking this, 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 you know, and what if this, 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 and I'm being hard on myself and I'm judging myself and I'm um, not being kind to myself and I'm recognising that I'm doing this, but I don't know how to undo it or I don't know how to let it go. So between now and next podcast, I'll try and work that out myself somehow. And if I don't, who fucking cares? I don't give a shit because I've got the rest of my life to figure shit out, to figure this life out, to figure the healing out. And at the moment, I'm just going to go with my flow. And that flow is chatting to you. And then I'm still going to edit all this stuff as well and look forward to eating my Pakistani all-star chicken curry with garlic naan tonight. I had it with rice last night, actually. I made it in my in my clay pot. Honestly, get yourself a clay pot. It took me five minutes to make the rice in the clay pot. Like, and, and water. There's always a debate about the water. 
one glass of rice, one glass of water. It came out to perfection. In a clay pot, you've got to be really careful. A basic rice would be like ghee, onion, jeera, salt, rice that has been washed and soaked. I wash it three times, soak it half a day. And then that's essential, by the way, people. And then put the rice in, cook it down. So the water bit goes, stick in the one glass of water, let it come to a boil, which takes about two minutes, switch it off. Because in a clay pot, the, the heat retains in the clay pot. If you keep it boiling for five minutes and then switch it off, it's going to start to burn at the bottom. I tell you, it's the most perfect rice. It took five, five, literally five minutes. And it was beautiful. So that's what I had last night. So, um, but I think this curry does need, you need naan to sweep it up and stuff and red gundi and stuff like that. I've been eating a lot more Indian food recently because I'm really trying hard uh, to keep off the processed food. And keeping off the bread, I know I just said naan, but naan, honestly, few and far between. I don't remember the last time I ate a naan. I had the brota. I had a brota about a week ago, but brota all right, you know. So naan, we have few and far between. So I'll be having that tonight. Yeah, all good. All good in the hood, people. I'm going to go and carry on with uh, my life and get on with my shit. Things can only get better, I guess. There was someone else I needed to tell you about, but I can't remember now. So I'll tell you about that person next time, if I remember. Take care. Be good. Uh, love yourself. Love others. And remember, God is within you and you really, truly think about it. Oh, God. Dig.